Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It's the four, 4th of September, 2021, and we're back like a bad habit. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. This is Morning Combat. I am one half of your hosting duo from CBS Sports and Showtime and a couple other places along the way. I am joined by the gentleman. I don't. I think he has a Betch Cohea shirt on. I could be wrong about that. I think that's right. On the other side of the screen, yes, there it is, the king of Connecticut, royalty himself, it is Brian Campbell. Brian, top of the morning to you. How was your weekend? Thank you, Luke. I try to bring that same energy, you betcha. Uh, a fantastic weekend, Luke. I was telling you off camera. Uh, saw a local comedy show, saw one man die on the vine <laughs> as we all just gawked at his uh, remaining carcass in front of the microphone and then saw this fella named uh, Tom Cotter come in and just slay, bro. I mean, just slay. It was, I mean, you know, get this guy a Showtime special, please. So uh, good shit, Luke. Fun weekend. Enjoyed the fights. Um, I'm, you know, you may get on me for bringing out my French rapey voice on Fridays, but you definitely started with that substitute first grade teacher vibe coming. But, uh, yes. you know, just to say, I we're going to bring it. I never, I never get off the starting block all that, all that well. It's always a little awkward. Um, well, appreciate everyone tuning in today. We do this every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 11 a.m. in the East. We both had, like, relatively fun weekends, although the fights were a little, they were not so great. But the good news, of course, is we'll talk about it later in today's show. We are now heading into fight week for Fury Wilder 3. So a lot to get to. Thumbs up on the video. Hit subscribe. If you want to email the show for Wednesday's fan subs or for Friday's Dead Wrong, you may do so at morningcombat at gmail.com. But, of course, we are everywhere all over the social medias. Uh, YouTube.com slash Morning Combat, Morning Combat on Instagram, Morning Combat on Twitter. If you notice there very quickly, BC and I have slightly different names between Instagram and Twitter. Uh, as well, you want to try Showtime. Only place to get it would be to go to Showtime.com right now. Get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you may keep it. If not, you can pounce in. And of course, you don't have to have the trial. You can just go and sign up for Showtime. But if you want to try it out, there is your option. And BC, I believe the Live 10 code is up for folks who want to go to morningcombat.store and dream about buying BC drug rugs. Yes. Yeah, well, that, that's coming, Luke. Uh, we had a great talk with our merchandise expert, RJ Grundlemaker. Uh, some Halloween items coming soon as well. So check out our website Ooh. and get your 10% off right now. Uh, you want to you wear a Dunk Force bomber jacket? Why wouldn't you? You can get that. You don't have Factory Town MMA uh, fanny pack? Why the hell not, all right? Support us because we support you by filling your ear holes filled with this uh, fantastic bullshit. So let's do it. Before we start, uh, are the kids, do they massacre your house during Halloween? Is it What's it like over there? I've got a, 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 a decent neighborhood of families, so yeah, it's fine. It's not, it's not too crazy. It's not dead. It's whatever, you know? Oh, I'm yeah, sure you get is... a lot of homeless folk walk by your, your lifting bench, you know, to come <laughs> knock on the door and... We don't, we don't get the homeless folk, but we do get a lot of kids, and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do this year because my daughter wants to go trick-or-treating, and uh, someone's got to be here, someone's got to walk her, so it's going to be a little bit dicey. We'll figure it out. But Just okay. go dark, Luke. Just turn that shit off, all right? Sorry, guys. You know? I had a neighbor who would turn his lights off on Halloween and then turn the sprinklers on. I was like, yeah. wow, dude, you're a real antisocial POS, huh? Kind of admire it now. All right. With that out of the way, let's start the show if we can. Topic number one here on a Monday. We start with the UFC. Now, UFC had a light heavyweight main event between Brazilians Johnny Walker and Tiago Santos. Tiago Santos 
ultimately gets the decision nod in what can only be described as a dud, really, of a main event. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't good. The question I have here is, in assessing the evidence, A, B, C, was the nod for Tiago Santos deserved? And B, if so, why? Uh, all right. So first of all, Luke, just real quick, I, I heard that this fight sucked. I kind of enjoyed it. It just was tactical and not tentacle as we thought it would be. I mean, Luke, this was a can't-miss five-round slobber knocker for as long as it lasted. Only you, wise soul, was like, hey, maybe this might go the distance. Somehow you saw the future, and it did, Luke. I did have Maheta winning three rounds to two. I thought you could have even gone four to one, although a lot of people like giving Johnny Walker that fourth round. And why did he win? Well, I think a lot of why he won is because of the development of Johnny Walker. So uh, did you want to go right into that conversation, Luke? Because this was Not a big yet. win. I guess, I guess I'm more looking for an explanation of, like, did you think he did the more impactful striking? And I guess yeah. also, from a movement standpoint, because of his knees being so badly damaged previously, how did he look to you? I thought he looked good. Look, he needed this win. He was on a three-fight losing skid all against elite opponents, but because of that Rackage fight that he's most fresh off of, that just was a, a ho-hum affair. Boy, did he need to come back and remind us whether he's elite. Well, look, neither guy looks sensational, but I liked the fight for what it was, even though it, it was against what our expectations were. And I liked the fight uh, Maheta hit. Look, it's rare, Luke. It's rare when two sluggers go in there. Sort of like when two elite wrestlers go in there and sometimes the wrestling cancels each other and you get, you know, a sneaky good action fight. You can get the opposite once in a while when two sluggers go in there and it's heavy on fainting. They taste each other's power and it sort of settles into a rhythm. It became that fight. It became a tactical fight. Not Whitaker Till level, but it was more like... At the end of the day, I thought both fighters fought responsibly. Their defense was strong. Their setups were good. Maybe there was a bit of a failure to launch from Walker that we'll get into. But I thought Maheta landed the bigger shots in the closer rounds. And Luke, in this type of fight, that's the difference. He he had hard leg kicks. He really was working on, um, in certain stretches, particularly those middle rounds after Johnny had a good first round, to make sure he started getting off first and, and having enough volume to, to have a shot at winning these rounds. Well, I thought his volume pulled the fights closer, and then his harder strikes overall really cemented it, including that big left cross in the fifth round, which was the biggest strike of the fight, in a crucial round that he needed. You saw the celebration from him, Luke. It was unsure. It was a weird fight. It was two guys that can end it at any time that were a little bit too tentative and respectful of the other one's power. But I didn't have any trouble saying that Santos won this fight that considering the circumstances, he did what he had to do to survive in advance. And when you are 37 and you're looking to stay around that title picture, sometimes, Luke, these are the, this is the way you have to win the fights. Yeah, I, I think your analysis is right on point. I don't really disagree with any of that. He needed this fight. So him being a little bit more prudent and him being a little bit more careful, I think made all the... I mean, both guys needed the win, but he really needed the win. So the prudence that you saw there from him, I think, was entirely justified. But to that end, and to your point, he was also the one that landed the harder shots in the end, including, as they mentioned, that heavy, heavy punch in the fifth round. But the body kicks he landed early to midway through were phenomenal as well. Once he went to that southpaw position, he just did um, a lot better work. So uh, I really liked that from him. I liked the patience that he showed. I liked the discipline that he showed, right? Because he can also get out in front of his skis sometimes trying to chase things down. And he didn't do that this time. He really had a kind of a measured performance that I thought was just what the doctor ordered. 
A, given the opponent, and B, given the circumstances that he found himself in with some of the losses he was riding into this fight. Go ahead. Look, I thought he was willing to fight at a at a more hectic pace and was almost welcoming it at times, but I think it was Walker who would taste Mahetta's power and then have second thoughts and doubts. I mean, Dean Thomas came on the air as the resident, you know, sort of coach analyst and, and made a mention of maybe Johnny not having full confidence in his defense. I thought that was an interesting way to look at it. Obviously, we're talking about Johnny Walker in a new camp with SBG Ireland and going through a lot of changes to his style. But I think Mahetta would have thrown more volume and been more demonstrative had Walker been willing to enter into that fight. And let's just do a reminder, Johnny Walker went on the aerial show and said, you know, I'm, I'm ready to bleed. I'm ready to go to hell with this guy. I don't know if he was as ready once he tasted that power because, as you know, Luke, everything Tiago throws is hard, man. I mean, he's knocking people down, knocking up women. I mean, he is this guy. This, I mean, this guy's fantastic. He is amazing. So you're right about this. Really, the story about this comes down to not so much what Tiago did, although what we can observe was good. But it's really a big question about Johnny Walker here. Dude, I really don't understand this performance. And I got to tell you, I did not – and when I say this – Listen to the words I'm saying. I don't understand because there's a lot of information we don't have. So when I say I don't understand, that's a little bit different from me saying, oh, I understand this more completely, and now let me make a more um, firm judgment about it. Because I am lacking evidence, I don't know exactly what to say, except when he was getting corner advice between rounds, it looked like Johnny Walker was doing everything his coaches told him to do, which is a lot of fainting, a lot of movement, staying at kickboxing range, get the low kicks while you can, and get the hell out. There was never, again, from what we could tell, there was never really a whole lot of effort at all be, beyond getting low-hanging fruit, let's say, in terms of the targeting, you know, at distance as far away as possible to use any other weapons. Like, I didn't hear any coaching about him getting inside punching range and working to the body or trying to clinch or pressing... Tiago Santos into the fence or anything like that. It was just kick him as far away as you possibly can and then get the fuck out of there at that point. Which, by the way, I wouldn't even be mad at that strategy if he was a little bit more effective with it. Sometimes Adesanya wins bouts in close contest where the one thing that kind of separates them between the rounds is, you know, you're trying to add up the offense. What mattered? Oh, well, Adesanya landed a lot of leg kicks. But even then, he couldn't really get them going. They weren't that impactful. And then all Tiago Santos really had to do, this is simplifying it a bit, but if he landed one or two big body kicks, he would just take the round anyway. BC, what the hell was going on with Johnny Walker? So, look, you know, before I even had a chance to watch this fight, because I, I actually had a rare Saturday night off, I, you know, I saw the, the funny memes of, you know, SBG neutered, one of our favorite, you know, sort of action heroes. Here's what happened, Luke. They were out of sync because Johnny Walker is far from a finished product in what he's trying to do, which I think is ambitious, Luke. I think he's trying to figure out how to be a complete fighter and take full advantage of his natural strength, which is ridiculous size for the weight class and a freakish ability to finish in sometimes moments where you don't see that type of strike coming. But, Luke, as we all know, the higher you climb up the ranks into into uh, you know contention, you're not going to have those same type of oops, excuse me, knockout wins. It's just not going to happen. Uh, you can go back and watch early John Jones and early Conor McGregor, and they did a lot of spinny shit and crazy stuff that got refined once they started climbing the ladder because you just can't do it at this level. So I think that it was ambitious to a good degree considering he's 29. It's early, but it's not too early. He's got to figure out how to be great. It's just that this was the wrong opponent, and I think the wrong skill level of an opponent 
to not be where he needs to be to pull off this style. So I think there's rightful fingers being pointed at Johnny Walker for not pulling the trigger enough and on his corner for not being... You know, not giving the, the the advice that would make sense given how close these rounds were and saying, look, I, you know, they should have told him you need to go out there in round five and put a damn exclamation point on a close fight. And instead it was more like go out there and be a point fighter. You got this. You're doing great. No, you're not. You're not doing great. But I'm not panicking like everybody else, Luke, where I'm like, this was a horrible idea. What the hell is he doing? I think the early success he had transitioning from the Dana White Contender Series to the UFC getting those ridiculous 15, 20 second knockouts, there, there was actually more harmful than it was helpful. It helped Johnny Walker build his name. But again, Luke, you can't do that against a super elite competition. They will turn it into a five round tactical fight. While I didn't like that Johnny Hendrick, Johnny Walker, excuse me, Johnny Hendricks, good Lord, that Johnny Walker didn't have it all together yet. I think this is the road, Luke, that he has to go if he wants to compete for titles. And you can tell me I'm crazy, but if he stays down the road of being carnival circus slugger, okay, is he going to beat some dudes? Yeah. Is there a chance he could one day fight for a title? Maybe. But I think if he wants to be a sustained, elite, title-contending fighter, this actually is the road to go with the right kind of coaches. Are these coaches the perfect fit? Time's going to tell. But these are the right kind of coaches to say, look... You know, we got to add some craft and patience. And even though this goes down as a loss for Johnny Walker and goes down as a little bit of a head-scratcher, Luke, I thought his confidence his, uh, his confidence in some aspects of it, of his movement, of his defense, of, of the patience and poise, we'd never seen that in Johnny Walker before. So why I say it's the wrong opponent to do it because you're fighting a guy where if he had beaten Tiago Santos here, I mean, you make a leap, right? This is a former title contender. I think the style and the mindset that Johnny Walker brought out on Saturday night would have beaten a lot of guys in the back end of the top 10 or the top 15 or top 20. It's just he hasn't figured it out fully yet to beat somebody on Santos's level. Yeah, I mean, it was clear that we're training wheels. Excuse me. Once you transition to a new style like that, you're going to be a lot more hesitant to throw because you don't know what will work. You don't know what kind of openings you might leave. A guy like Santos, for all the limitations he might have, is explosive. He is powerful. You make a mistake against him, and it will cost you quite dearly. I understand that. So I'm, I'm sympathetic to the argument because if we see uh, Johnny Walker the next time and he's beginning to add some wrinkles to it, you're like, oh, okay, well, that last fight against Santos wasn't the best demonstration of the path that he's on but in range then he plays the accordion where he another component that off he's got the defensive component of fainting sort of baked in he doesn't have the offense in so let's see where he goes but that's the other problem to, BC, that's a great way to saying? put it luke and and i was going to say that with that fainting style if you're fighting somebody with far less knockout power the idea of that fainting is to corner them disarm them and put them in a spot where they're going to make a mistake out of, out of you know, panic or fear. You can't do that against Mahetta because he, he throw, he'll throw out spinning shit or he'll kick you in the, in the, in the gut so hard that I think it, it worked against. Walker's own style worked against him in the long run because of the quality of the opponent. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's not a bad argument to make. The only problem that I have with the cornering is not so much that this is the beginning of a retooling process that will take time to develop. I, I, I think that is sympathetic. But again, I'll, I'll mention it one more time. We need to see that. Like, you can't just do this forever, right? You have to do more than this eventually. And the second part is it didn't really... There, there, 
it just wasn't a good game plan to win this fight. Even if you want to say we have to be careful with the weapons that we have. And, you know, it was three rounds to two, one round a difference, you know, who's to say. But, like, it just, there was nothing in, there was no ace in the hole. There was no dynamism to it. It was, let's just see if we can kind of eke out round by round a path to victory. That That's not going to get them very far. If they're going to do this style right away, there needs to be, there needs to be more potent offense built into it even with the understanding that there's you know a longer term rebuild process that's happening here i just didn't like them being like yeah just keep kicking the leg and if he if ain't the hands and then their hands come up you know kick the other outside of the leg it's like dude we're not gonna do any body work here like we're not gonna do we're just that's not gonna be a part of it it just seemed like it was way 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 too one note even if i grant um i mean like it almost like process he stuck to johnny walker stuck too close to the discipline needed to pull off that style because do you remember there was a couple of times where Mahetta almost got him into a flurry and they both threw dangerous shots at close range you wonder if there could have been an opening there for Johnny if he started to let his hands go Luke but you know back to Dean Thomas's point there's that same fear of getting countered and knocked out so um look there's a lot that look this is a, a a tall drink of clay here to be molded speaking of Johnny Walker at 6'6 with that type of uh, athleticism. Obviously, you can't keep going down this road, particularly of, of quote-unquote neutering him and taking away what makes him great, but if you can help him build his setups better, help him not overextend, help train his mind to be as dangerous as his reaction speed is, then yeah, you've got a hell of a future title-contending fighter right here. I, I don't think he's that far away, though, Luke. Am I crazy? I think, yeah, this, this is a... Bad night at the office. You had to learn a tough lesson here. But I think he showed me enough where, dude, he could have broke script so many times and went back to the Johnny of old. And while, again, short term, you can argue that may have been the best chance for him to win the fight, long term, he showed restraint. Look, he had never had restraint. I mean, I bet, I bet you in this guy's personal life, probably, probably gets it done. There's no restraint at all, Luke. I will only grant we can only... It doesn't even matter me or anybody else. We can only grant that that argument is true upon subsequent viewing of what else he does. Because if he gets changed to this and he can make modest developments, but that's not really the style best suited for him, or they don't equip him with enough weapons, then what good is it? It doesn't do him any good to change to a style where, okay, you are in less firefights, but you're not winning on any better of a better percentage. So you save your brain a little. That's fine, I suppose. But you're not really getting any further along in the course of your career. So it really is incumbent upon him if this really is a new path to go somewhere. What's interesting is the, uh, real quickly, just to talk of the light heavyweight division, BC, obviously we have Teixeira and Blahovich coming up, UFC 267. That leaves Prohachka, Rakic, Smith, and Santos. Now, Smith said he wanted Rakic. Rakic said okay. And now Santos, I think, wanted Prohachka, right? I got to tell you, I feel like it'd be a little bit better to run Smith and Santos back. And then do Rockage and Prohachka, winner of that gets the title shot. No, it's that's one way, Luke. That's not that's not horrible. You, I mean, look what Tiago has in his favor. Obviously, is the fact that he's knocked out Jan Blahovitz before, so that can help you when there's a group of guys that are somewhat on even terms who want a title shot. You can go with the with the guy who's had that success in the past. Although Carla Esparza didn't get that same treatment for Rose this time when we thought maybe she would have deserved it. But he's not there yet, meaning Maheta. He just snapped a three-fight win skid, uh, three-fight losing skid, excuse me. He's going to need at least one more big win. Your scenario's not awful. I mean, Luke, shouldn't we want to see, though, Prohatska and Rakic 
to de- right now to decide. That's basically what you're saying, right? Those guys next yeah. to decide who's the next title challenger. Yeah, the, yeah. Okay. I, I, in, an, in an ideal world, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I tend to agree with you. All things considered, on that. I don't know if I need the Anthony Smith rematch, though, Luke. Didn't we learn everything we needed to learn from the first one? Not necessarily. I think these guys are, I, again, once again, you just cannot imagine a world where Anthony Smith is better than your lowest expectation of him. I tend to think that's a different fight this time. I tend to think it's a very different fight. All right, well, let me ask you this. Um, will Will Maheta fight for the UFC light heavyweight title again in his career? No. Okay. Will Johnny Walker? That's a tougher one. Um, probably not, but I can't say for sure. And, and could you see sure. Johnny Walker, given the frame and how muscular he is, um, having speed advantages at heavyweight down the road? Thought about that, too. He's, a, he's about the biggest you want to be for light heavyweight. I would not imagine anyone wanting to be a whole lot bigger than that. Um, because it did look to me like Santos had a little bit of an explosion advantage on him, even with all of those knee surgeries. If someone has you know multiple knee reconstructions and they're still like whipping shots at you quicker than you can get to them, there might be a question of like whether or not this is the ultimate division for you. I just wonder in terms of strength, like he's well-muscled, but like... How does that translate into the core wrestling and control positions? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. So until we well, get a better I, sense of that. But, you know, is a future at heavyweight possible? I, I think so. It's possible. I, have, I had the crystal ball out the other night looking ahead to the future at 205, Luke. And, and just to, you know, anyone wondering, both of these guys in Saturday night's main event will fight for the light heavyweight title in the future. Only for Maheta, it'll come against Prohatska. That should be wild, Luke. Okay? Interesting. That, that would be very, very fun. I guess we'll have to see uh, in either case. All right. We go to point number two here, BC. Not a whole lot to say about this one, except it was just weird, like everything Kevin Holland does. So this was what? The main event, co-main event for the night. Kevin Holland in a middleweight clash takes on Kyle Dawkins. Okay, BC, this is what killed me about the fight. It was exactly what we thought it was going to be up until it wasn't, which is you had Dawkins going right for the takedown because you knew Kevin Holland had that weakness, and Kevin Holland kind of showing much improved takedown defense, at least along the fence line. He get caught he got caught in a cow catcher, which is sort of this sort of like, you know, Nelson type hold along the fence line. He was talking to DC and he was being really annoying that way and not really concentrating on the job at hand, but when he had to, he was showing much improved takedown defense. They separate. There's a clash of heads. He gets knocked out, wakes up, but eventually he gets choked out about a minute or so later, maybe even less than that. Okay, BC, they called it a no contest. Do you agree with that ruling? Uh, yeah, because Dan Mergliata, and, and I don't, you know, I mean, you can only crap on a referee for so much, Luke, because they got to make split-second decisions, and I totally respect that. But he made the wrong call in the moment because he allowed this fight to play, keep playing out, and Dawkins had a clear advantage given that that was a vicious headbutt, and Holland took the worst end of it. Um, he was knocked out briefly, which, if you really think about it, should have just ended the fight. At the very least, Dan should have stopped the fight after the head clash. I know it was Holland's ability to bounce back from the flash knockdown and defend himself that gave Dan confidence that he was maybe okay. But, Luke, obviously I think everybody watching at home was like, man, you should have just stopped the fight, given Holland five minutes to recover. I mean, Luke, you know, they could have stopped the fight for a timeout, looked at the replay, saw that Holland's eyes roll back and he was kind of out, and stopped it there with a no decision. We would have been probably upset. But at the very least, if you're Kevin Holland, I think you deserved, because of how vicious that was, for the action to be halted, take a look at him, 
five minutes to recover. Nobody's fault. Can you continue? And had he been able to, and I would assume he would, Luke, because he's a he's a trooper, this guy. Then you go on with the fight, just like if it was a low blow or something like that. Um, I thought, you know, Dan was wrong, and then seeing Herb Dean afterwards put his arm around him and, you know, talk. I mean, it's almost like, you know, if you're the UFC, you don't want the cameras that close, Luke. Mark Ratner had that look like, I don't know if you guys should be listening in on this. I mean, it wasn't a great look altogether. I understand referees are not UFC employees. They are, you know, appointed by the state commission and all that. But um, UFC does have complete control of the broadcast. I loved being that little little voyeur in there, Luke. Uh, but it, it, it's unfortunate. The good news is that Holland doesn't take an L and that we can run this back because it was an important fight because both were coming off of losing skids. And I think particularly Holland still has a bright ceiling. And I thought this time around, Luke, his, his uh, overly charismatic ways talking to DC during the broadcast, I felt in the past it got in the way of what he was trying to do, meaning we rightfully clowned him during his past losses saying, look, dude, you're down on the scorecards and you're hamming it up. Like, what the hell are you doing? I think this time around, he did it in a way that was firing him up, right? He could hear DC talking about how he's stuffing takedowns. And I think it was, it was you know, I, I was entertained by it under that. Look, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting road to go down as a, as a performer, as an artiste. But um, I, I thought Kevin Holland was going to have a chance to really show us what he worked on. And I thought, unfortunately, uh, Marigli, Dan Marigliata. I mean, this wasn't quite a um, a moment of uh, who are those two referees that Dana hates the most, Luke? Steve Mazzagatti. Mazzagatti, and, uh, and then and then this guy. He hates that guy too, right? Oh, Mario Yamasaki, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't quite in their levels, but Luke, I think this is a regrettable night the way that Dan handled it in the end. Well, how did you feel that? Here's what I felt about it, which is. So I read what Big John McCarthy had to say, and he's usually a really good source of wisdom on this one, and this was no exception. He basically argued, if you think about it rationally, what happened? You had the separation, then Kyle Dawkins level changes, and then comes up looking for what appeared to be a takedown or some kind of body shot, depending on what you want to say there in the moment. And as he came up like that, that was what it was the head that unintentionally was a no way intentional hit Kevin Holland. And Holland, like you can see the eyes roll back. He just, his face glazes over and he goes face first. He goes, in a perfect scenario, the fight would have been stopped there, or at least halted there. And as you indicated, doctors come in, check him out, see how he goes. If he can keep going, if the doctor clears him, by all means, keep it going. And if not, it's a no contest because Kevin Holland shouldn't have to fight out of a deficit from an illegal strike. Again, not an advertent strike, but an illegal one just the same and a pretty impactful one at that. So in the end, by having this team of referees and what you're, what else, these other members of the Athletic Commission who were all kind of looking at the instant replay, here was the big thing that I got. One, they got to the right answer. It, it should have been a no contest. I feel bad for Kyle Dawkins, but I feel bad for Kevin Holland. Run it back if you want. And in fact, BC, I started the question this way. Dude, Like that fight was playing out exactly the way that it was supposed to. Dawkins was getting to the body, but he couldn't quite get the takedown. Would he have gotten it if he had kept going? Or would he have been knocked out because Holland would have stopped it? We don't know the answer to that, but we were getting exactly what we were looking for. So I really hope they run it back. But, dude, this was the lesson that I came to, and I cannot believe more people aren't saying this. Of course, of course, Instant Replay is the hero here. But more than that, this is something I've been harping on for about a year now or more, maybe almost two. Dude, one referee cannot do that job well, period. 
on occasion, you can get referees, even in difficult scenarios, who are so locked on, who right in that moment, they can make a great call. There is no good reason, especially in your bigger states, Nevada, um, California, uh, New Jersey, right? We have larger commissions. There is no reason why one referee is tasked with that job. The only reason we ended up getting a decent result is because A, you have instant replay, and B, the instant replay guy in the situation was Herb Dean. They were able to have a meeting of the minds, and some of the bad decision-making was able to be corrected. What more evidence do you need out there, folks, who are skeptical of this? Because when I first introduced this idea a while ago, people were like, oh, we don't need that. That's excessive. No, it is not. This, the costs of getting it wrong are way too high, and it's not necessary. Two people, two people need to do that job. Now, how you want to adjudicate that, BC, there's l- plenty of debate. Do you well, want two in the cage? Pro- hold on, let me finish. Two in the cage? Probably not. One on top? I don't know. The, uh, however you want to arrange it, arrange it. Or maybe keep it what it is. One refer in the cage, one on the replay machine, and we figure it out from there. But the idea that we can meaningfully handle that load of fights every night with one referee doing all of them, it's simply not true. That's fair. It's fair. I was going to interrupt you to say, let, let's adjudicate the potential efficiency of this, Luke. Wow. All right. I was like, uh, can I have the origin word, please? Greek? Okay. Uh, Luke, what, what I'm saying is, would you like, in, let's use this scenario. Marigliata is your referee. Herb Dean is announced, so people know he's your replay official. He has a microphone that only Dan can hear because we can get instant replays instantly these days. If you know, as soon as Holland gets hit with the headbutt, because look, you never know the angle of the referee in that moment, and that's why I give them that respect because we're watching it at home, full on, zoomed in HD on our big screen. The referee's trying to move to see there's going to be times they're not going to see it. He may not have seen Holland's eyes roll back, for example. But Herb Dean, are you saying, in the moment, should have the ability to talk into the earpiece of Dan and say, oh, headbutt, stop the action, Let, let's let's figure this out. And then we can go to the, to, you know, to, to extended replay. That, but, like, you've got, I, I want it to be able to be stopped in an instant if the referee missed it. I don't know, I don't know what the right answer is that is because... It, I'm not saying that it's wrong, but I think we'd have to think about it for just a second because there can be all kinds of unintended consequences. Like once you make a policy, you don't make a policy for how the best people in the space use it. You make a policy for how the people who are worst in the space might Fair use point. it because that's the scenario you're going to get to. What I've always thought was, one, the guy who's or the lady who's refereeing in the cage, when they're in that cage, they should be the only one in there. But in between rounds, one, I think another referee should be allowed to walk in there. And uh, two, I think they should be able to have some kind of say that if they walk in there, the main referee is obligated to look at instant replay uh, evidence. If they want to reject it at that point, they can reject it. But there has to be some kind of compulsory mechanism to make them look at it. Because I cannot tell you how many times we've seen a referee being like, hey, I looked at it in real time. I didn't need a replay. Motherfucker, you needed a replay. Everyone needs a replay. No one has this omni-competence, even for things you think you understand. You may not necessarily interpret it the right way. That's sort of the way I've been thinking of it. This scenario is the closest thing we've seen to that. It just seems like on some level, you have to ask yourself, can one person really, in the heat of battle, get all of these minute calls all the way right for a sport this diverse? Maybe in boxing you could argue that. In MMA, I don't think you can argue that when you have wrestling combined with striking, combined with submissions in this wide open space with wild action, you need help. 
give them the help they need in the states that have the manpower and the resources to afford it, which, by the way, happen to be the places where more meaningful MMA action happens. But to your to your fears, Texas will fuck it up. Oh, they will. Texas Forever Street. Uh, would you, is your fear that the the let's say it's Herb Dean working the replay, working the television monitor, having communication access to the referee in the moment? I mean, wouldn't that let's say there's a wrestling scenario against the cage and the referee can't see that the fighter's grabbing the cage. He can't see that the guy's digging a knuckle into the other guy's eye and the re and the the replay official can and can communicate with the referee to tell him to enforce it. Are you against that level of big brother jumping in here? I don't know. I don't know how that I just don't know what the answer to that would be. My my only worry is it would distract him. I don't want to further distract a referee. One thing you could think about doing was if the referee on the outside has an issue, is there a light they could hit where a, a red light would go off and just hold itself there so that they could recognize that when the round is over, there's going to be a meeting that has to happen. I don't know if even that is a good idea. I don't know how some of this should play out. I'll be clear about that. Like I don't have all of the answers except to say it is hard for me to believe that adding technological tools to review decisions and bringing in other experienced professionals somehow makes refereeing decisions worse. I cannot imagine that that is true. It has to be exactly the opposite well, because it's so difficult. As long as it doesn't slow it down, Luke, because, you know, in the NBA, when, I, I'm not, I haven't been watching as much NBA in the last few years as normal, but when they were at the level where, you know, there'd be a potential third-quarter buzzer-beating jumper and they'd have to wait 15 to 20 minutes for th three referees to watch the full video 14 times and you're slowing down the game and giving people extra timeouts, like, that's... That's not efficient. As long as it can be done instantaneous or, to your point, between rounds in ways that could correct the scoring. Let's say there's a, you know, something that, yeah. I mean, so, say there's a strike that in real time looked clean and afterwards you find out was was illegal. Can you do something? I don't know. Can you do that afterwards, Luke? It, 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 when stuff happens so fast in real time. Well, you know, here's when, the thing. When, you can envision scenarios where having a second referee, including ones that are able to walk into the octagon and do whatever – still doesn't solve all of your problems. There can be a bunch of them. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be very clear here. There are some of these problems. I don't know how the hell you solve them. Two, three, yeah. seven referees. I don't know what any good that does at that point. All I'm merely saying is Kyle Dawkins and Kevin Holland were only, only, only able to be put in the right situation after the fact. However, you know, dissatisfying it may have been to be no contest if you're Kyle Dawkins versus a win, but the right outcome was only reached because a referee error was corrected by additional referee input and technological aids. That should send a fucking wake-up call to people that this job, one person doing it all the yeah. time, you are not going to get good refereeing that way. You're not. It's not yeah. possible. Thunder Dan lives another day, though, Luke. They got it right in the end. And, uh, you know, they did. I, I don't know if Dom Cruz was there, but... I'm going to assume Murgiliatis smells like uh, hooch and hose, like, like uh, no-nonsense Keith Peterson does. Uh-oh. You can hear my daughter outside the yeah, door here. They're... You want to bring her on, Luke? She could explain what, what she's upset about. Uh, do I? Oh, hold on, hold on. I mean, this is this is wholesome, Luke. This is wholesome entertainment. You, you know, they don't do this on DC and Hawani, right? I don't see RC bringing his kids on, all right? Hey, you're live on you're live on TV. Don't do this. Why are you crying for? That's who's that? Who's that? What are you crying for? Huh? 
Hey, Tukey. Hey, Tukey. The face you make when you say when you see Brian Campbell. Hey, Tukey, you want to see my glasses? Okay, look at his glasses. No, see, see, yeah, there we go. This is where she had her big cut. Can you see the? Uh, oh yeah, tape? Uh, she's we a survivor. On there yeah, we have to keep it on there because it's gonna make it uh, so that when she gets surgery, it gets a little bit better. All right, well, listen, I have to do a show which you are rudely interrupting, my sweet little angel. Okay, okay, daddy has to work. Okay, yes. Say, mwah, come on, princesa, come on, princesa. Ah. No, no, okay. All right, you have to go. Okay, te amo. Mwah. Okay. All right. This is your idea. This is this is now live TV, folks. You. Guys, are we still okay. live? We're live. All right. All right. This is what this is what I'm dealing with. I mean, look. There's a lax in in the MK security team at your house. I mean, where where yeah. is Abuela when we need her, Luke? I mean, she is not here, and uh, it's just like this all the time. All right. Let's go to point number three, if we can, BC. We move on to Bellator after that totally awkward transition. As my daughter screams bloody murder. Um, so Douglas Lima loses his third in a row via split to MVP in the main event in London. BC, there's a lot to say about this fight, but I guess I'll ask it this way. A, how'd you score it? And B, what should be MVP's next move? Because he was talking about a third fight with Lima, not so much going for a title. Uh, two rounds to one for Douglas Lima. I called the MVP victory here generous. I'm not going to go the level of, of robbery and competence and all that stuff because, look, Luke, it was a slow tactical fight with rounds that, yeah, maybe, maybe somebody could have interpreted rounds one and two in favor of MVP. Not me. Maybe it's possible. Obviously, Lima's ability to, to wrestle in this fight, to smartly change the, the tempo, put MVP on his back at the ends of round one and three, and have you know some offense on top, including to close this fight, was enough on my scorecard to stamp it home. I think the bigger problem here for Bellator, Luke, in relation to this fight, and in relation to the Romero fight just a few weeks back. Why are we not doing five-round main events for fights that have obvious title implications? I, I've gone on record and said in the past, I don't believe every main event, no matter what, should be five rounds. There are times where we have fighters that just are, are not high enough in the rankings or, or are at that point in their career. But with that said, because of what the UFC has done in recent years... Five rounds in a main event is expected. And if you're going to put two guys in the main event, and by the way, on paper, this was a fantastic main event, you'd need five rounds to tell the full story. These guys are too good, too close to the title to have it abruptly end after three without really much happening in the fight. And then all of us kind of going, well, how'd you have it? Do you have it? I mean, look, I thought it was two to one Lima clear. I think MVP, I won't call it a hometown decision, although the hometown crowd was strong in his favor. I'll just call it a fight in which neither guy really left their stamp. Again, Lima was the smarter fighter out here, but I've got more negative things to say overall about MVP's performance. Luke, we talked about the stocks of each guy. They fought two years ago. Lima won by knockout, but it was five wins in a row for MVP since then. And Lima taking two surprising losses in title bouts. This was MVP's opportunity to do something big in front of his home fans to cement that I am next in line for Yaroslav Amosov. And even though, uh, obviously, Amosov's skill in wrestling is going to be a problem, I think MVP's unpredictable offense could be a problem for the champion. So it's potentially a very interesting match fight. 
problem here is I don't think MVP did enough to A, win the fight, or B, really take advantage of the platform and the situation at age 34, where some people still doubt him as an elite fighter. I think, unfortunately, Luke, he played into those doubts. There was not nearly enough urgency around three, especially when he's on his back. So I want to I want to almost shame Bellator and say, hopefully this is the last time when you got two great fighters in a main event. Why? Why? Explain why this was three rounds. I don't get it at all. And Luke, for MVP, it just it wasn't what it could have been. It really wasn't, and it I, maybe I'm, what I'm it should have been. I'm surprised you're more mad at what Liam. Well, hold on. How would you grade? Give me a grade, like A, B, C, D, F, for Lima's performance. Okay, I thought Lima um, did what he had to do as a smart veteran to what I thought win the fight under the circumstances, three rounds, opponent's backyard. And Luke, let's be clear, I think Douglas Lima's lost a step. I think he's not the same guy anymore that he was just two years ago. So 100%. given those circumstances, I think he fought a safe, smart, efficient fight. I thought the onus was on MVP to leave no doubt, and he didn't do it, Luke. Okay. I thought that... So I had two conclusions. Well, first of all, let me just echo you one more time. I won't belabor the point, but what is Bellator doing with these three-round fights? I mean, for these main events. I, it's just... We, MMA has outgrown this by leaps and bounds. Bellator has outgrown this by leaps and bounds. This is, this is no longer acceptable. Okay, number one. Put that aside. Number two. How did Lima look? I thought Lima did certain things in parts that I really, really liked. His timing on the takedowns was great. Not just in getting under the punch, but like when it was in the round. Not to steal the round, but you know, to have enough time on top to do some meaningful work. The problem was I didn't think he did a whole lot of meaningful work on top. It wasn't like he was passing or it was thrashing him with ground and pound or threatening with submissions. He was just kind of controlling from that position. I thought on the outside he was doing some nice things, but I thought he was waiting around a lot too to be honest. Like this was not this was not a great performance from Douglas Lima even if I agree with you. I thought he should have won two rounds to one. On the other hand with MVP, here's the problem with him. I thought he did some things while well. his timing on that right hand to to dissuade some of the leg kicks was brilliant. He knocked Lima down a couple of times even if they were like pushes more than like punches, but still some of them some of them got through, but there was Neither guy had enough of another offensive gear to take the fight to. They had another defensive gear to retreat to. They didn't have a way to raise the stakes, so to speak. And so as a consequence, neither had the best performance. But you're right, dude. We, we, we called it. We said this was going to be a lot closer than the first time. Sure enough, was. Although, there was that one leg kick uppercut combo that almost got almost. MVP, I think, in the second round. But I don't think either guy had a great performance here, and I they think didn't. a trilogy is a must. But well, well, just real quick on this: Lima got chopped twice in the first round, in the first half of the first round, like you mentioned. Was it a slip push combo? I don't know. He got dropped twice. So Luke, he's in surviving advanced territory here as the 33-year-old three-time former champ who doesn't want to, you know, get a three-fight losing skid. So I'm again not as upset that he didn't do enough because you can question did he do enough on the top position in the third round he did third round he's landing elbows from from top position on the ground he dropped uh MVP in the third round with that left hook i mean i thought luke seriously lima turned it on in the final round when he needed to that's the only round that i think was clear across the mm. board for lima it's mvp that you're like okay you had some great success in the first half of the first round but you you kind of... He didn't follow it up, yeah. You didn't follow yeah. up. I think the, the, the problem area is that second round for MVP, and especially the third. Like, 
I don't know, man. You've proven in this matchup that you can surprise this guy w w with big-time strikes. And I think MVP did a lot of things well on not overextending himself and getting caught. Although, to your point, in that second round, he came close to a repeat finish of the first time around. But it's not like I want MVP to come out in the interview afterwards and be like, hey, guys, sorry, I effed up a little. But I also don't want him to come out afterwards and be like, I told you so. You know, I, I, like, no, like that. this was not a great performance, and it wasn't a great win. It was a... He was lucky. He was, he was, what I said, he was, this was a generous scoring that, that he would come out on top. So your question is, should he advance right to the title fight or should we do a trilogy? You know, given the circumstances of this fight, uh, yeah, I would like to see MVP pass this test the right way. Yes. You know, yes. before advancing. But then again, Luke, he's got six wins in a row. What, you know, he just, he, the two of the three judges thought he just beat the former champion. How much more do you want and need from him when when he's 34 years old and, and, and it's time? And, you know, Amasov needs some big-name opponents. Let's do this thing. Whichever way Bellator goes, it's fine, Luke. But I think MVP could have come into a title opportunity in a much better situation. And I don't think Lima was putting up the, the type of offense, at least in the first two rounds, that would have warranted MVP being that that passive in his offense. you got to be busier. We, I said it from the beginning, Luke. I said this fight would go three rounds. I said MVP would probably win a decision, but I thought he would be landing his jab, landing those side push kicks, really leaving no doubt in his activity. Didn't do that. You can't do that against this guy. I think that's fair. I think there's a lot of blame to go around here, but candidly, if I can be honest, for a guy like Lima, granted, he had fought Musasi up a weight class. Then he fought Amosov, who's a beast, okay? we both And, and a wrestling beast, like... He's not striking on the outside with you. He's just all over you like, uh, like white on rice. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and MVP is a very different opponent in that regard, but tricky in his own way. I just kind of felt like Lima coming off those fights, needing this. You already beat this guy. Dude, this is not the time to press the brakes. And even if you wanted to give him sort of more credit for that third-round push, I wasn't really wowed by it, um, honestly. I thought he would be in much more of a position. Like, there was just a lot of times, man where he was kind of following MVP and looking at him and waiting for him to do something, where, whereas he wasn't fainting or doing something else to create openings. He was just waiting for openings to be there. That was not what I was looking for from him. I was looking for some kind of a, like a, like a you know, he, he got electrocuted a little bit. Like he realized this cannot go this way rather than I'm just going to do a little bit less of the thing I'd been doing previously at this time against a striker versus a grappler didn't love that to be honest with you and yeah. it tells me if the three losses in a row again should only be two and two to very very credible opponents and very very credible challenges like douglas Lima isn't like all, not like overnight shot that's not what i'm saying but it does seem to me bc and you acknowledge it i'm going to acknowledge it too he's lost a step and um yes. i i you can't deny it i'd like to see him against logan storley i think that'd be good matchmaking luke hmm. that's a tough fight logan storley is a beast it's a tough fight because, uh, wait, MVP because, look, or if Lima? You beat, if you beat Logan Storley in that spot for Lima, then you could say, okay, first two losses, title bouts. Oh, you I probably yes. deserve mm -hmm. the nod against MVP. You're right back in the title picture. But if you lose, that's four in a row. You're going that way. Logan Storley is coming up next for that Amasov rematch. I know we have Jason Jackson in between. We've got MVP. We've got Koreshkov, who came back and looked fantastic, Luke. So it, things are, are, are looking up at welterweight for Bellator. So maybe that means you don't need to rush MVP into the Amasov fight. So if you're not, here's the deal, Luke. Are you, do you agree with me on this? If you're not going to do MVP Amasov next, then you do MVP Lima 3. At five rounds. 
Fact. Fact. And, it, and yeah, we- that, that, dude, that's the key. Dude, what is Bellator doing? That fight needs to be five rounds, especially, yeah. especially the trilogy. And, the, and look, both guys got to go after it, too, which we've both established. That crowd, that crowd was waiting for a fight. That was a fantastic. Look, I'll give Bellator credit when they go to Europe and they, they get these great crowds and they make it a big event. Now, uh, Luke, I thought the matchmaking on this card below the main event was, was just not up to standards. And I have no problem saying that out loud. It was like it was a the, regional fight card. Just that's It was what a it regional was. fight card, that co-main event. I know it was a ranked fighter in Liam McCourt at women's uh, featherweight, but that, that just did, that did not look like professional MMA. I, I needed a little bit more. I needed some better matchmaking there. It's unfortunate that the main event played out more tactical than fun in that it left us all at the end of three rounds going, what we, water. <laughs> Weed, dune, right? Hair. I mean, come on, come on, bro. I, I, look at look at me, BC. I see you. I see you. I, I hope I you do. You. I hope. I mean, come click. Come out of the closet, Luke. Please. No, no, it's funny. Uh, okay, look, we'll see what happens. But I think you could do a trilogy. But you gotta do it with three rounds or five rounds. This three round shit needs to go. All right. Point number four, BC. So there was actually a lot we haven't even gotten to. Want to remind folks, BDC, we should take this moment to remind them the extra podcast that I'm going to do on Mondays, it has a name, MK yes. Extra Credit. MK Extra Credit will be out sometime later this afternoon. I want to tell people talk- who this is for, okay? This is for all MK people, but if you are... Look, Luke, there's there's Team Luke and there's Team BC in this game, okay? And the Team Luke really people... about that. They, they, I mean, if they hear one more creepy joke or one more... Oh, oh! You didn't think Nick Diaz looked quick, you, you, you casual fan? Well, go to MK Extra Credit. You'll get all the shit you're looking for. Okay, it's yes, all it's, serious breakdowns, no impersonality, nothing. Okay, just take yeah. it. You like my son, Luke? My son's thirteen. His favorite ice cream flavor is vanilla. I'm like, bro, what is wrong with you? Well, you know, it depends. I mean, the the vanilla can be fine, but to your point, it's like it's designed to be thirty minutes or less, which doesn't give me a lot of time to do tap dancing. I'm trying to get through all the fights that matter. But if you like we'll playing dig- potato chips, check out MKX. No, it's not about that. It's just about making sure we cover all of the bases that we can with the amount of time that we have in the course of a day. We'll get into some of these bouts in much greater detail. But BC, as a sort of an open-ended question. Who else in the combat sports space this weekend, wherever that may be, either impressed you by how great they did or impressed you by how bad things went? (laughs) Look, I I said coming in that this UFC Fight Night card was a sneaky card, and I thought it was a really fun rewatch, and it lived up to that. And, Luke, I got to give Alexander Hernandez a lot of credit. Just 28 years old, he he flipped wins and losses of late, and I know this was a late opponent switch. Who was he preparing preparing for? Was it uh, Leandro Santos? Did I make that name up? Is that the guy I he think was something for? like that, yes. So he gets Mike Breeden last minute, and look, he sent Mike Breeden to hell in about 80 seconds, knocked the mouthpiece out and just walked through him. But, Luke, I think I saw, you know, a, a spirit and energy of a guy who's really trying to put it together. Hernandez comes in incredible shape at lightweight, and, Luke, I'm, I think there's time for this guy to put the wrestling and the striking together and be something. This was a great step in that in that direction. And uh, real quickly, Casey O'Neill, the king, Luke, stays unbeaten at women's flyweight by putting it on Antonina. And, uh, Luke, you, you take Antonina Shevchenko to the ground, you're probably going to have some success. But uh, more to come and have you seen this shit. She put, she put it on Valentina's big sister. It, it was uh, 
That was, he made a, there was some white belt shit going on there, Luke. I mean, she put it on. King Casey O'Neill is someone to watch, Luke. At yes and no. Yes and no. I'm not quite as high on okay. her as you well, might say, be. Save it for extra credit, okay, bro? All right, I will. save it. For I will. The uh, the fight that I thought was uh, going to be kind of interesting that never ended up happening was going to be Aspen Ladd. We talked about it on Friday, BC. Yeah. Taking on Macy Chiasson, and it never happened because uh, Aspen Ladd missed weight. But dude. Like, she didn't just miss weight. She missed weight terribly. I think she was, like, 141. And then she brought herself to what can only be described as the brink of death, basically. And she was able to make, what what was it, 137? Which would have put her one pound away from the extra one pound allowance. But to do it, they were like, she couldn't raise her... Like, there was this big battle between her and the coaches because... The commission wanted her to raise her hands in the air. The coach is like, she can't raise her hands in the air because she'll fall. Well, dude, if she can't raise her hands in the air at the scale because she'll fall, you got bigger questions to answer than just about whether or not she can put her hands in the air. So she makes the 137, but at that point, she looked like it was absolute death. And so they, they, they pulled it from the card and completely, and so it never happened. And she comes out later on, BC, and says... You know, it's my fault. I had my period. I, I just couldn't force it through. What, where do you come down on Lad, who has had weight-cutting issues previously in her career a number of times? What do you say? Uh, this is bad. Because, Luke, she had a very bad moment on Friday where they've got that curtain around her, as you sort of alluded to. And, I mean, the fact that they didn't cancel the bout right there. I mean, we, we should have a new – look, I hope one day – and I know it happens in both sports, weight extreme weight-cutting – I've always said someone's got, you know, a, a big name is going to have to die before we make changes to this. Look, there's nothing about this that's healthy. Nothing at all. And I know people go, well, it's happened in amateur wrestling forever. It's, it's part of the culture. It's what we do. I, I get it. But look, I mean, how many times have you seen these videos uh, of them in the tubs with their, you know, coach or significant other next to them? And like, they are dying to cut these weights. And what it produces are these scary as hell moments like we saw on Friday where Aspen Led's about to fall over and can't even stand. First of all, if that ever happens again, and it will, they need to wave off the fight right then and there. That's like when you see somebody knocked out for a split second in a fight. It's the rest job to end it, right? The problem for Ladd is this is twice, Luke, and I, I don't remember what fight it was, but it was before her injury. She had an equally really bad situation in which she almost passed out on the scale. That is your body telling you, this is not the weight class for you anymore. And I know it's unfortunate because Ladd had the long injury break. She was supposed to fight Macy a few months ago and, and chase on hurt her leg and it, and it pushed it out. But, you know, health is more important in the long run, Luke. I don't think it's a horrible thing to say, hey, Aspen Ladd, this is twice now. You need to go up to women's featherweight. First of all, it's, a, it's an even quicker shot at a title, which is already pretty fast at Bantamweight because neither of these divisions for UFC on the women's side have any level of depth. And for the most part, if you're a ranked featherweight, you're going to be fighting blown-up bantamweights. You're going to be fighting Holly Holm and GDR to get to the title anyway. So it doesn't seem to really matter, Luke. But I, I, don't, I don't think we need to have a hard and fast rule. But I have my own rules. You do this twice to yourself, like, you got to go. You can't do this anymore. Luke, I, it's not going to change again until something really bad happens. But... This is really, really, really not healthy. The, the, the science backs it up. Going to the extreme level, no matter what the situation was, injury or menstrual cycle or whatever, Luke, ahead of time, I, I really want to get away from this for fighters. I really want more of them to be looking at fighting at the most natural weight possible. It's me talking from my basement. I get it, Luke. But 
this is not healthy what we saw on Friday at all. No, it's not. And you're asking, like, where she missed. She missed previously in Invicta, and then she made it for her fight with Duran to me, but looked like, I mean, it was, you know, go, Google the results for Ladd versus Duran to me weigh-ins, and every headline has the word scary in there talking about Ladd trying to make weight. And, of course, she got hit with one shot and spun around, and then the fight was over. It wasn't like, even though she made it to the fight in that case, BC, it didn't do her any damn good because she got, granted, Duran to me can crack, but she got hit with one shot, and who knows to what extent that weight cut may have contributed to it. Here she can't even make it to the fight without all this disaster. Misha Tate called her out. Listen, here's the thing, dude. I've had Aspen Ladd in person in my studio. She is very friendly. She's a, she was fun to talk to. She marches to the beat of her own drum. And I don't want to get into... I hope I'm being clear about this. I'm not trying to get into any body shaming thing because she's obviously athletic and fit. But what I'm saying is I've seen people in that weight class who are bigger and leaner who make it no problem. I don't know what the right answer is. You might be right in saying she needs to go to 145, but I got to tell you from the, the layman's perspective, which is the only one... I am giving here, it doesn't look to me like she has fully maximized uh, the pre-fight work that goes into getting the weight down in a way so that the cut can be more manageable. I would like to see a nutritionist get control of the situation or what what appears to be what is necessary. I'll leave it at that. Okay. That's fair, Luke. That's fair. Please don't bring up anyone's OnlyFans account in relation to this topic. Let's keep going. I won't, uh, even though you just did. All right, uh, last for the five topics, but certainly not least, perhaps most important among them. Folks, we are here. Fury Wilder 3 is Saturday, and it wasn't the fight that we thought we were going to get. Last week wasn't the fight that we thought we were going to get. We thought we were going to get Joshua and Fury, and we all know the story and blah, blah, blah. Joshua already had his run with Usyk, which landed us in an upset territory with Usyk winning. BC, Fury Wilder 3 is here, whether we wanted it or not. What storyline are you paying attention to most as we head into the rubber match? Um, Look, uh, I cannot wait for this fight. I mean, this fight is, under any circumstance, (laughs) this fight is massive. Six foot seven, former champion with some of the most murderous punching you've ever seen in the sports history against one of the most dynamic heavyweights we've ever seen in the six foot nine Fury, with a history of their controversial draw and the Fury knockout and walk down in the rematch. Obviously, Luke, the dominant storyline for me is all the time Deontay Wilder has had since their first fight, which came in early 2020, right before the pandemic. They did not expect to have a year and a half time break from that. But Wilder, as we have talked about, has seemingly done everything right. Proof will be in the pudding, as Floyd says on Saturday night. But seemingly everything right to re-examine his team, re-examine himself. Is he still making outrageous claims about Fury cheating and all this other stuff? Yeah. But Luke, he is a motivated machine coming in here on Saturday looking to do destructive things with a new team, a new focus. You saw the body-punching videos. Why that matters is we just already saw Alexander Usyk upset the heavyweight apple cart by flipping it upside down and upsetting Joshua. Wilder is in play here as a very live dog. He would be anyway for his punching power. But I think you have to take into account this one thing, Luke. Tyson Fury historically has played up or down to the level of his competition. That is a true fact. You can you can go back and resume review him and find that out, okay? He would get very heavy between fights before his long-term retirement and from 2015 to 2018 when he had the drug problems and all that. He would balloon up between fights against lesser-known opponents and not always look great. 
And then what happened, Luke? He fought Klitschko and he was in amazing shape and had a boxing lesson of a lifetime. We've seen him go up or down. This fight wasn't supposed to happen. Tyson Fury doesn't need this fight for his legacy, but he does need this fight, Luke, to keep his WBC title, to keep his lineal championship title, and to advance further toward us having, hopefully in 2022, an undisputed four-belt champion at heavyweight for the first time ever. You wonder if that plays into it, of will Fury be at that same level when he doesn't have all this stuff to prove to the world, Luke? I wondered that in their second fight, and it was one-way traffic when Fury brought in uh, new trainer uh, Javon, Javon Sugarhill Stewart, and he became an offensive force. At the very least, regardless of how this goes, Luke, this is going to be some high-level heavyweight theater. The first few rounds, I mean, it's going to be dramatic. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be tense as shit. That's what you want in heavyweight boxing. Heavyweight boxing is the gateway drug to this sport, right? Big heavyweights who talk trash, you're going to come out swinging. Luke, I cannot wait to see what this thing looks like. And as much as we all know Fury is by far the better boxer, the better fighter, nothing guaranteed about Saturday night. That's the, that's the, head, that's the lead story, Luke. You, you're only there's only going to be a winner when you see it live. You cannot really handicap this one given all those other circumstances. Dude, you know, for all of the size in terms of the the significance really of the Usyk and Joshua bout, that was like two guys very gentlemanly. They didn't have a history. The fight was kind of surprisingly made, and it was really just about what happened in the ring for the most part. These two jabronis, this is this is heavyweight. I like the way you put it. It's heavyweight theater is really what it is. You're not going to get better heavyweight theater. You might get better heavyweight theater maybe with Joshua and Fury, depending on how things go. But, dude, Fury and Wilder is, I mean, two guys larger than life personal, personalities, different nationalities, different backgrounds, completely different ways of boxing. Everything about these two being contrasting polar opposites makes it so much fun even if this is not what we'd asked for in terms of the question at hand what storyline we're paying attention to you kind of nailed it i don't have much to add except to say that's the one i'm paying attention to too which is there is no good reason no boxing reason so to speak in terms of pure boxing skill why deontay wilder should win he should not win he has an opponent in front of him who not only thoroughly outclassed him in the last bout he should thoroughly outclass him in this one i think tyson fury is the king of the division even if he remains somewhat uncrowned Nevertheless, I don't know exactly if Fury has taken this bout as seriously as he should have, given some of the circumstances. Not saying he hasn't, it just, there was a whole redemption story, getting back into shape and blah, 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 about his return that is not so much in play here, although maybe it's obviously it's not as necessary because he has done a better job at maintaining his health. Still, it's just sort of quiet around that kind of situation. Meanwhile, whether he is benching with gloves and, you know, looking like he's getting electrocuted in terms of moving his feet everywhere. You have a guy like Deontay Wilder who's been in the weight room, who has changed his training up, who just looks possessed. I mean, and even a possessed Wilder shouldn't beat Fury. I, 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 again, you're asking me who I'm going to pick? This is not a hard pick. I'm going to pick Tyson Fury to win. At the same time, the, the storyline I'm paying attention to is this Count of Monte Cristo vibe that Deontay Wilder has, where he not only got the L in the last fight and still believing some of the delusions, right? Because he's called Tyson Fury a cheater and blah, blah, blah. 
but is coming into this fight with a level of almost deranged um, singular track revenge fantasy that he wants to let out on the world where however much boxing skill he lacks, BC, he has historic power in that straight right. He absolutely does. You cannot take that away from him. If Tyson Fury is not on his game and Deontay Wilder is Count of Monte Christi, Christoing it, which is not a word, but if he's doing it, dude, who the fuck knows what could happen on Saturday? Well, it like, is highly intriguing. There's three ways it could go in my eyes in terms of our entertainment value. If it's a repeat of the first one, which I don't think it would be, where Tyson Fury tries to box for 12 rounds, then the tenth, the tense theater of knowing that Wilder needs to be perfect, as he says, for one second, whereas Fury needs to be perfect for 36 minutes, that's entertainment right there. Okay, well, what if it's the second one, where Fury goes into full offensive mode, and the fact that he's bigger, longer, faster, and a more accurate puncher, he just takes Wilder out of there. Well, that, that's pretty entertaining, too. But, Luke, the wild card is the third one. If Wilder comes out and just says, F it, this is my career in one night. I'm not waiting until round eight or nine to counter you. I'm not waiting for you to, you know, jump all over me like you did in the second fight. We're going to war right now. Oh, you think you're big enough to stand with me and take my shots and, and, and fire back? Let's do it right freaking now. Look, we win. We win in all three scenarios as fans. So I don't want to underplay what this fight means for the current state of boxing for this week, this, you know, this, but like you can't understate what the potential of a giant fight like this with crossover implications actually living up to potential, what that does if the sport backs it up with really good fights after each other. And we're just coming off that AJ upset. We're probably going to see an Usyk rematch. The story, the connective tissue, the storylines are building. I mean, we lived the Klitschko era. It was awful. We thought Vladimir Klitschko and David Hay in 2011 was finally going to be a fight, and that one sucked the horn, Luke. How many times are you, like, trying to, if you're a boxing fan, get your friends to care about a heavyweight fight? We're in a different era now. These two guys have history. It's going to be violent, tense theater on Saturday. And I, you know, get, get your popcorn ready, Luke, okay? And you I'll, better, and I'll just you say, better I'll just, bring BC, your A game BC, Saturday. We, 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 neither of us have really explored this, although we've, you know, we, we've given we've, – we've paid attention to it, but we haven't really dug into the details. Dude, what would it mean for Deontay Wilder? Again, I'm, I am picking Tyson Fury to win. But with a guy who is coming in like the Count of Monte Cristo with the power that he does in his right hand, Deontay Wilder should not be slept on. Let's imagine a scenario, and even if they make a fourth fight and he gets you know crushed like he did in the second one, let's imagine he wins the third one, okay? And he wins it like he's losing all six rounds, like he did like the Luis Ortiz fight, and then he just comes out and bombs on with one shot, and there you go. That's not in any way inconceivable, okay? Dude, the amount of in-your-face gloating and screaming and singing from the rooftops that the 40-pound instrument he carried on his body and everything else. Deontay Wilder is going to rewrite boxing history a little bit, even if he scores something of a fluke win here. Yes. By virtue of the stakes, by virtue of the denial from the second fight he's carrying into the third one. No one has ever... Because after the second fight, he not only lost BC, we all talked about how bad he handled it by blaming it on Mark Breland and saying all these things like, oh, it was the 40-pound costume that I wore. He never was like, yo, I got outboxed. And so we thought, oh, well, it's kind of over for him. It's not if he goes in there and scores a huge upset, which is what it would be in my mind, 
over Tyson Fury, dude, he would change the not just the landscape of the heavyweight division. He would redefine how everyone is supposed to have seen the last one, even if it's a little bit flukish. Be prepared for that. And I hope, Luke, if that happened, I hope he would he would win over some favor. He never became the star he could have been as an American with that kind of body and look and swagger and that ability to be a knockout artist, which, again, is the one thing that cuts through the heart of anyone who doesn't pay attention to boxing. They will when you can punch like that. And we always said, okay, maybe he doesn't have that next-level charisma or maybe the American sports scene is just so overcrowded in the team sports vein that it's hard to get behind this guy. I still don't understand why people didn't get behind him, Luke. When they, was, when they were putting him on Fox in your living room and they was doing you know, these pay-per-view fights... Um, and I'm not saying he's he's an easily likable hero because he he says what he feels and he he made a lot of excuses after that second fight, but that kind of storyline I mean that's some hero shit if he comes back and wins this back Luke there will be a big I told you so there'll be a big type of moment and while athletes like Tiger Woods are key in bringing the the crossover massive population of a niche sport to the forefront because you got one dominant person. Think like a Floyd Mayweather. One dominant person for so long that you're just tuning in for the greatness. I think people deep inside, they want rivalries even more, Luke. They want rivalries that go back and forth. I think the the the, the best rivalry of our modern era as boxing fans was, was Manny Pacquiao and Juan Manuel Marquez. Four classic fights. The, you do it at the heavyweight level, you do some... Ali Frazier, Holyfield, bow type shit at the heavyweight level, fight three times, maybe four. I mean, look, it's it. We, we need that. We want that. Let's do that, please. please and I'll it. also say this: I don't know how likely any of these fights are, but let's imagine Fury goes in there in the in this one and does what he did in the second one. I don't know how likely a Fury Usyk fight would be. Probably not very, given all the different circumstances in play, or even for that matter, Wilder Joshua. But I gotta tell you, BC, I wouldn't mind seeing any of those fights. Of yeah. among these four, you can Usyk versus Wilder. Usyk would probably box circles around him, but all it takes is one fucking right hand from that guy, and he can change the whole show. So like there's a lot of different permutations here with a win or a loss. Where again, I don't know what, what kind of fertile ground it creates for promoting and creating these bouts, but the potential could be there for some fun permutations. Absolutely. I mean the four kings. Hagler, Hearns, Duran, Leonard, they fought each other nine times in ten years. Imagine if the next five years, Luke, gives us the continuation of this round robin with all these guys. Come on. It writes itself, bro. But that's uh, boxing. We probably won't get it because that's boxing, Luke. There it that is. is boxing. You're right. We'll, we'll get something like, Re, uh, I keep calling him Andy Reid, dude. It's so fucking funny. Andy Ruiz versus, you know, I don't know, something we didn't want. All right. Uh, with that out of the way, BC, it is time for the viewers to ask us questions. We put up a post every Sunday on Instagram, YouTube, uh, Inst I should say Instagram.com slash Morning Combat, where you get to leave us questions. It's time for DMs from the donks. B. Campbell. Yeehaw. Here's my question. How much money do I have to pay to not have children scream at my door? I, I really wow. wonder, because I already wow. pay a lot. Apparently, it's not enough. Um, okay. What? <laughs> I mean, I paid good money. Dude, child I mean, care and I mean, you are paid Washington. handsomely, Luke. You, ha okay. you haven't, since dude, you've met is, me, you haven't this come into fact. this much money since you had sex with an ATM machine in college, you know? Dude, this this is a fact. DC has the most expensive child care of any city in the country. It's the most expensive. And I pay at about the bleeding edge of what even that costs. What can I do to get children to not scream at my door? I don't know. All right. Chains. At Chains, Luke. <laughs> 
I need I need like what they needed at that first UFC event where they had proposed, like having a moat full of gators or yes, something. Yes, yes. I don't know. She stopped crying when when I when I started doing tricks, Luke. Okay, I don't know. I think she I think she howled even worse. Uh, all right, from at mixed Marshall Melon, just the worst name ever. Uh, some kind of joke. BC, can you get Luke to be more candid with us? To be candid, he never answers questions. Quite candid. <laughs> Luke, you have so many tropes that the fans love hate. You know, the gla- I, you had a clip on. What happened to that, Luke? You're doing a lot of this today. You're doing a lot of uh, the Luke Thomas special of. No, no, no. I, I moved them back. They're still on. See, I moved them back because they were hurting my ears. So now you've I just got, put them on you've a got to be quite candid with you. You've got. Um, you I know, mean, the, mixed Marshall Mellon, this person obviously. The upper bound has- limits. How many times has Mixed Marshall Mellon ordered Taco Bell shirtless at a uh, at a drive through and then sat in the parking lot and sad ate it by themselves? You worry less about my verbal tics and more about wow. your life. How about that? Look, you did have a run in that doc, the doc number five, which you can find right now on YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. You did have a run in there where you were like, I think you said BC 17 times in a two-sentence fragment, Luke. You were like, you know, BC likes Jake because BC loves BC and BC can be BC around. John Bolton, that angry fan who thinks you say my name too much he must have been rolling in his grave luke yeah you know how much i care not much you know my mom did call the other day and she's like what's this i see there's like a meme with you in a in a bed and you're upset um about your the future of your career is is everything okay It's like actually, it's great. It's actually great. Yeah. It's great. It's like that's it's actually art. part of mom. The bit, it's yeah. art. It's art, mom. Meatloaf. It's art. Oh, I didn't tell you what my dad said. So I told my dad. I was like, "Yeah, dad. Um, you know, the number one boxer, both in terms of box office attraction and maybe skill, is uh, fighting on Showtime. And in the first week of November, I'm actually going to be going to Las Vegas for that. You know, and obviously, you know, I work with Showtime. We're hoping to do some big things that week." He's like, oh, if you're going to be in Las Vegas, uh, I have a rental property I'd like you to check out. I'm like, wait, wait, time out. You're not going to say anything about like this great opportunity for my career, but you want me to go run you fucking like, errands in Las Vegas? He's like, Vegas? hey, Dino, you mind shaking them down? They owe me another month, please. You know, can it's you like, hey, go- can you go serve a, son- uh, a, a, a summons to my deadbeat tenants? <laughs> All right, from at the MMA guy, the underscore MMA guy. If headbutts were legal in MMA, how frequently do you think they'd be used? Very. And how effective of a technique do you think it would be? Very. You, have you ever seen this guy, King LaDuke? He does this lightweight boxing, which is like Burmese kickboxing, which is kind of like Thai boxing, except part of the rules is headbutting. And so he'll do these combinations. Like it just it, To him, it's just another way to train. And so he'll throw bop, 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 spinning back this, and then he'll launch into a uh, headbutt. It's not overly used. It's like any other weapon. But Mark Coleman used them. You can go back and look before um, they got rid of them. You could use headbutts early on, I think, in UFC. And Mark Coleman oh, yeah. would, like smash into people in, in their guard. Um, they can be quite effective. Yeah, I, I think maybe Mark Coleman was able to use them effectively. I think in the very beginning they were very ineffective. People tried to mix them in, but it but didn't really have big moments with them. But yeah, look, it'd be absolutely devastating. Come on. Somebody would knock themselves out, though, going for it. If you've never seen King LeDuc, check him out. It's spelled L-E-D-U-C. King LeDuc on Instagram. He's an interesting guy. All right, from at Ryan W. Barker, BC. MMA hardcore boxing casual here. I'm curious to know what strengths Caleb Plant brings to the fight with Canelo. That's a very... You know what, BC? 
That's a perfectly good question that an MMA fan should ask. Yes. Okay, at the very least, Caleb Plant brings the one skill that matches up the best with Canelo's deficiency. Now, the problem with saying Canelo has a deficiency is, one, he's the pound-for-pound king of the sport, the, the number one with a bullet, and two, because Canelo has moved up in weight so dramatically and yet kept his durability and speed and power, when you move up in weight, it, you, your speed gets more accentuated because you're going against bigger, in theory, slower guys. So what I mean by that was, was when Canelo for a while fought at 154, he was considered a technical counterpuncher, a big puncher, but he was considered to have to, having had slow feet. And if you were a pure boxer, think Floyd Mayweather, think Eris Landy Lara, who both had you know considerable success against him, then you could do that. So Caleb Plant, at the very least, brings... In very good foot speed, he is a pure boxer, 100% pure boxer, and very quick hands. Throws very good combinations on the inside. Obviously, the problem with that and why he's such a big underdog, even though this is a, an important fight that we need to see, obviously, for the undisputed notion and all of that, is that Canelo, that, that, that speed deficiency is so less... It, so less noticeable at this weight class at 168 pounds and Canelo to his credit has worked on all of his weaknesses and rounded them out. But Caleb plant doesn't have one punch knockout ability, but he is so quick with those combinations that he can hurt you. When he won the championship against Jose Uzcategui in 2019, he knocked him down twice and then he had to bite down in the final rounds and they kind of went to war. So what does Caleb plant have? Most importantly, boxing IQ and ability and speed. But let me add one more thing in there. This is the thing that could lead to him getting knocked out, by the way, right? But if you if you look at the history, Canelo tends to knock all these guys out. Caleb Plant has a, has a go-get-it. He has a spirit of going after it. Now, you wouldn't necessarily know that by his last, plant, his last fight against Caleb Truax, the former champion, in which Caleb Plant won a wide, dominant decision. But Luke and I on the show, I think rightfully so, for a big... Fox main event, we didn't love that Caleb Plant didn't leave a big statement. He didn't leave no... He won. There was no question about that. But he wasn't He wasn't great that night. He was very good. He wasn't great. Caleb Plant has a go-get-it in him to go after it. Meaning, if there is an opening there to have to stand up and fight Canelo in key spots and go for it, he's going to go for it. Again, Luke, that could lead to his exit. But he has a fighting spirit. He's had a crazy life to get to this point. He came from nowhere. All that stuff. You've heard that story in boxing so many times. You can you can think he's a clown. You can say whatever. But Caleb Plant is coming to win this fight. And I'm sorry. You can't say that about every one of Canelo's big name opponents. I mean, I thought Danny Jacobs had the body and skill set to beat him. And I think Danny Jacobs is going to think about that loss for years where it was close, but he didn't do enough because he didn't go after it. I think Caleb Plant's going to go after it, whether that ends in him getting KO'd or not, Luke. So you, you bring that speed with a, with a, uh, I mean, Luke, what else do you, what else do I need to say about Caleb Plant that you saw in that press conference? Okay. You thought Canelo won that press conference. That's fine. Caleb stood up to the number one guy in the sport and didn't back down. That's what he's bringing to this fight, Luke. That's the spirit I bring to this show. You might as well be Canelo and I'm Caleb Plant. Luke, I'm coming, bro. All right? No, I'm, I, 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 no, I'm definitely not. I, I'm, I'm more Andy Ruiz in this whole equation. I, <laughs> I kid him. I, I'm mostly looking in the mirror with that. Uh, yeah, also, I mean, you, everything you said about Caleb Plant is true. Couple other things out. I would say one BC. You know this as well as I do, dude. If you're gonna be a weight class holder, and this is about unification, but it, it's true for MMA, it's true for boxing. 
you're going to be a weight class holder, you have a responsibility to defend it. And here is a case where, um, yes, this is a sort of a different scenario, but uh, it, it applies sort of in principle, which is, you know, maybe Caleb Plant doesn't wow people, or maybe you know, maybe you're skeptical of his chances, which I don't think is necessarily wrong. But this is the fight that has to make in order for this progression in this division to happen. So let's just see what happens with it. That was the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is you may have said it, but it just remind people one more time. He's got great feet. He has good feet, Caleb Plant. He's got good footwork. He's got he gets into positions quickly. He gets out of them quickly. He sets himself in a very balanced way, very quickly. Like he just sort of finds where he needs to be very often with his feet. And um, you know, he's not like super fleet of foot, but he's it's 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 always on point. It's a really good well, talent of his. Canelo has has very good foot speed at this weight class, but Canelo's skill is planting himself and swiveling. He's so dynamic at avoiding shots and countering. If Caleb Plant can make it where Canelo's got a chase and Caleb is fast enough to land and get out of trouble, that's where we're going to have a fight, Luke. That's going to be the fight right there. But obviously that's asking a lot. Nobody, nobody counters more cleanly, effectively in terms of one punch to try to get you out of there, whether it's a hook to the body or a right cross over the top than Canelo. That's why he's the best in the game. Fair enough. All right, so let's go to Cubby's Fan 80. I see this person in our DMs all the time. If CBS Sports came to you with an offer to cover a non-combat sporting event, what would your dream pick be? Dream pick? Luke, what? And so this is you covering it, meaning you're doing the HQ pre and post on cams, Luke. You're writing a feature column afterwards i mean what i mean here's the thing there's a lot of sports i would like to cover that i could do well honestly but i wouldn't make any money (laughs) um so if you want to make money then the answer is easy nfl right or nba or something like that if you just want to do a passion project which i think is more what this person's asking yes it does air on cbs sports i would pick world's strongest man um, wow. I could do. I, I could do. I'm telling you, I, given who they normally have on that, I could do a really good job. I'm Look, certain. Who's this it. guy? My my son Isaac's screensaver on his laptop is some guy named the Beast. He's got the tattoo on his arms of the Beast. Yes, Eddie guy, Hall. Eddie Hall. Is that guy legit? He's very legit. He was world's strongest man a few years ago. He was the first guy to deadlift ever 500 kilos. That was the that was the record that was broken by Thor uh, at 501 or whatever it was kilos. Um, he and Thor were supposed to have a boxing match in September, but Thor, excuse me, Eddie got injured. He tore his biceps, so he's on the on the mend. But uh, he's a very, 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 very legit guy. Yes, I would probably do something dream scenario. I'd, I guess I'd have to go Olympics, Luke. Uh, you know, oh, that's not a bad one. I would one. well, I would specifically love to cover Olympic basketball. What, what starting with the dream team in '92? Well, even before that, Luke, I've always been a sucker for. Team USA basketball, you know, that great final in 2012, you know, obviously the dream team run in 92 and 96. And then, of course, the that faltering run they had in 04. To me, that's that would be that would be something special, Luke. Okay, Uh, we have to live somewhere for like six years. Would you want to do that? Six years? What are you talking about, Luke? No, I'm saying like you have to live in the Olympic Village for like six weeks or more, two months, whatever. Yeah, it ends but they up have being. a lot of hot, passionate things going on in that Olympic Village, Luke. Yeah, with the athletes, not with the donk losers <laughs> like you. <laughs> I'm I'm taken, Luke. Thank you. Thank you. Oh yeah, okay. That's the issue. Uh, all right. Last but not least, from SPL Adam, do either of you decorate the outside of your houses for Halloween? That's a great question, BC. What do you say? I don't. No, no, I don't. Um, I, I think I've said it before on here. I was, I was, um, 
I loved Halloween as a kid. Loved scary movies. I went very anti-Halloween, Luke, uh, when my kids were younger. I just, I kind of, I kind of was done with the, the. I mean, there's an extreme side to Halloween. Look, there's the fun and games, dress your kids up, get candy. But then there's like the extreme dark side to it. I, I kind of got anti that for a while. Maybe too fundamentalist anti that. And even when my kids were like three and four and five, we're like, nah, you don't, you don't need to go out trick-or-treating. We'll do something fun at home. I've softened on that. They've had the fun experiences in life, and I've realized my wrongdoings. But with that said, Luke, I'm not the guy who's going to put spiders and skeleton bones outside. You know, my <laughs> wife loves Christmas decorating, so I, I do the best to do the minimum to, to satisfy that regard. And I keep pushing her. I'm like, you love, thanks, you, know, you love Christmas, but my holiday's Thanksgiving. Can we celebrate that? Can we put up some... Uh, some some stuff regarding that, so we've been we've been compromising there, Luke. But no, no Halloween decorating. I could see you, maybe even using your weight bench and your squatting rack. You you should be able to hang things from there out in your front yard, Luke. Maybe have I could see you having one of those people that open their house up to kids, and it's like a haunted house on their first floor, and like you scare them, and then in the back the back door they get candy, and then Coach Sandusky is there, it's like oh. Oh, you know, hey, want to see my defensive really. schemes? And then your wife dresses up as Dr. Nasser. And it, it, I mean, it's just, it's just twisted, Luke. It's just, yeah. I, I think you really misunderstand people in the worst way imaginable. No, I don't really dress up my house either. I have, I'll be honest, now that my kid's older, I've kind of wanted to do a little bit, like some fun lighting or something or whatever. But no, in general, I don't. I don't do that. All right. And I haven't. So there you go. All right, time for your bullshit. Look, it's our bullshit, first of all, okay? Yes, uh, Look, at this is what we do every Monday. We scour the globe for the good and bad, the highs and lows, the ugly, the in-between, all that in combat sports and beyond. It's called... <laughs> Have you seen this shit? All righty, Luke. We got a lot of good stuff from UFC Fight Night in Vegas. Hey, Luke. Johnny Walker gave us the full gamut. The fight may have lacked the fireworks we wanted, but we got all the Johnny Walker weirdness we could have wanted this week. Here's the, the stare down with Maheta. I know. What is he doing? Weird just... shit, Luke. That's what he does. He specializes in it. No me gusta. I don't, I don't enjoy that. He has a master's degree in debauchery, Luke, okay? Then it went to the walk-in at the UFC Apex. Luke, your thoughts on these dance moves? This is me every time the paycheck hits the account. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Oh wow. That's a that's some like Dude, can yeah. he dance without hip thrusts? I don't know. I don't know if that's possible. Look, the real real question is can he hit the prep point without sexual hip thrusts? Let's go to the videotape on this one. See, we're putting the Vaseline on. Oh, yeah, he's no stranger to Vaseline, Luke. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's like, dude, can, you got another man putting Vaseline on your face. Can you stop gyrating and cavorting for five seconds, please? Yeah. Dr. He probably Dr. does this at the DMV. Yeah. Uh, finally, Luke, in between rounds, when John Kavanaugh is trying to give him instructions, here's Walker breaking the fourth wall. Okay, less face-face, more punch-punch. All right. Hey, let's keep it going at UFC Vegas. I mentioned Casey O'Neill, the king, improved to 8-0. and Luke, look at this full mount she got on Antonina. Hey, Luke, can we be really harsh here? Is it time for um, Valentina's older sister to, to call it quits? Because anytime someone gets in this position against her, which is every fight, we're on a trend here, Luke. I mean, she doesn't have to quit in the sense that she's some kind of danger to herself or something, but it's like, I'm with you. After this fight, I'm like, oh, right. Her upside is, you, you've seen it. 
I mean, she's 36. She's a very good striker, and she was piecing O'Neal up at times, Luke. But on the ground, she's she's bad. I mean, she's rough, Luke. It was not good. It was not good. I, right. I agree with you. On I, it, the 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 jury's in. All right. Hopefully, you'll mention this guy in extra credit later today. Here's lightweight Jamie Malarkey. He was down earlier against Devontae Smith, and look at this comeback, Luke. This one surprised me because Smith was doing good work, but this kid Malarkey. He's the opposite of the Biden malarkey. He's the good malarkey. <laughs> Luke, that was some like Anderson Silva, Rich Franklin Muay Thai shit going on there to set that up, right? No, not really. It was more about sort of pressing the action, but um, he was getting pieced up a little bit at range. He just found a way to take over the fight. It was, it was impressive. Look at that. Look at the replay. Wow, look at this, Luke. That is, oh, wow. That's some plum control, Luke, all right? It was good, but the pro- I mean, the, to be Anderson Silva or Rich Franklin, you'd have to pull him, turn him, reposition him, yeah. not just hit him and let him go. All right, Luke, here's your KO of the weekend. Douglas Silva de Andre against Gaetano Perillo. I mean, you could not script a, a better looking finish. Wow. Yeah, I didn't understand the choice of uh, sort of like switch step kick there because he did it right in punching range, so he just got clipped walking in. It was weird. Whoop. Whoop. This dude's athletic as fuck, by the way. Yeah. This this so, dude's this dude's back is like a fucking turtle shell of muscle. I could not believe how bricked up he was. It's very Gleason Tebow like, Lucas. It's, it's rare you get that in motion in air knockout. But let's let's focus on the celebration, Luke. Is this disrespectful to try the backflip where you land basically land on your opponent? Like that's some, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean these guys aren't you know. What are you gonna do? I, I mean, mean, he would have kind of if he would have torn his ACL there, you would have laughed, right? Well, I, here's my rule on this: if y'all want to go do the celebrations where you do flips and you know you want to get some clout for the gram, that's fine. But when you tear your fucking ACL and you're no longer the same after this, yeah. I don't feel bad for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll put yeah. it that way. It's very Gus Farrat headbutting the wall at RFK, right? You got that reference, right? I know that one, yes. All right, here's here's the celebration I can get behind. Middleweight Christoph Jocko following his split decision win over Misha Serkinov. Luke, this is like uh, breaking two electric boogaloo style right here. Yeah, this is some breakdance b-boy shit right here. Good Look at that. Lord. That's me, that's me after the Taco Bell drive-thru right there. Whew. All right, hey, Luke, let's put some closure on that Aspen Lad situation. You mentioned Misha Tate called her out. Can we blow this up, Manich? It's one thing to miss weight. It's another thing to try and cheat the scale and use every excuse in the book to not weigh in properly. Everyone saw you cheat and you still came in a pound over. I bet you were every bit of 139. Luke, that's some murking going on right there. Damn. She was harsh. I was surprised at how harsh she was. But yeah, she let her have it. I mean, you're not pulling any punches there. That's like, here, let me piss on in your open wound. Wow. All right. Let's keep it going. Speaking of open wounds, Luke... Hey, look, I'm sorry. This blew up the internet. Here's John Jones's reaction, kissing his, his uh, longtime girlfriend and then sticking his tongue out at the haters. Luke, this was not received well by, by, by the MMA Twitter universe. Your thoughts? I have more on this in uh, odds and ends, but for right now, I'll just say I'll call it disturbing. All right. Luke, um, here's the deal. One of my favorite fighters, she called it a career. The great Betch Kohea, Luke. Unfortunately, we did not see this dance after Carol Hosa badly pieced her up with knees. But, Luke, I'm going to pour one out for the great Betch Pitbull Correa just the same. 
and let's relive some of her fantastic. This is the this is the gyrating she did after beating Sajara Eubanks in Mexico back in 2018. Luke, look at also, that. Also, also look, there's a 1917 ad on the yes. octagon. That's that's my shit right there, Luke. Okay, I mean that's great. And do you remember her initial dance after beating Eubanks in that same fight? Let's relive the memories here, Luke. I mean, she's just unabashedly herself. You know, nobody, nobody puts that much love into what they do. I can respect that. I can get behind that. Hey, DC called her a pioneer, and then he pulled the microphone away from her after the fight when she was trying to say goodbye to the fans, Luke. You see that? Yeah, I didn't know what she was a pioneer of, but uh, I mean, I guess you could say women's Brazilian MMA to an extent. She gave of. us a lot of weird moments in the cage, and I, and I salute her for that, okay? Yes, uh, yes, I would agree with that, and lots of shaking her derriere. Yes, which, which in your household, that's that's that's, that's yeah, it's, it's right. accepted, and, and and frankly, it's expected. <clears throat> Luke, celebrity boxing from South Florida, no Riddick Bow, but Lamar Odom came out with his nine-inch reach advantage, and he put it on J Lo's ex-husband. No, not A Rod. No, not Mark Anthony. That other guy. Uh, for uh, for however long this fight lasted, unanimous decision, Luke. Your thoughts? Well, she clearly has great judgment in men. <laughs> Born winners, all of them. Uh, Paulie Malnagi on the undercard, by the way, took a decision over Corey B, the TikToker and radio host who 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 clowned him. And Paulie said afterwards, "Look, he impressed me. I had to work a lot harder than I thought I would have. I couldn't find any footage of that fight online though. So this is what you get. I There's won't talk shit. Cause I love Paulie, but it's like, dude, if you're, if you're, if you're going up against decisions against TikTokers, um, that's fair. That's fair. You know? Yeah. All right. Hey Luke, t-shirt of the week time. Check out what they caught this guy wearing in the airport. Can we blow that up? <laughs> Look at the kid behind him. He's like, what the fuck? The kid's like, mommy, was he there on January 6th? I think I saw this guy on TV. That's great. Wow. This is All the guy right. that put his feet up on Pelosi's desk for sure. Yes, it was. Uh, Luke, time for your favorite segment of the week, Rate My Tat. We start off with Errol Spence Jr., the unbeaten unified welterweight champion. Can we blow this up? Going full on Lions only Charlo style here. Uh, it's a well done tattoo. And they got the neg good negative spacing there, instead of using white to create color. I mean, that's a that's a. I'll say this again: if you're going to dislike tattoos, you have to dislike the artistic concept, which I don't like the artistic concept. But if you're asking about like the application of the tattoo needle to the skin and the way in which it was brought to life, this is very high level. Very that's high actually level. think about it. You know, in boxing or MMA, you don't really have a uniform short of your you know shorts or trunks, but like. At using a tattoo as a uniform, that's pretty badass, Luke. Also, is his kid's name similar to mine? Go to the bottom. I see a violet there. Bottom right. Look. Violet. Or, or violet. 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 As we call it in the States, Luke. Violet. Yeah. Violet. Yeah. You're turning violet. Violet. Yeah. Okay. How about, All right, how about Luke. Number two. Uh, check out this Popeye tat. Your thoughts. Not a great tattoo. Um, I mean, it's, it's creative. Just, this, you know. And why is his spinach the color of fucking slime? Like, I mean, what are we doing here? I mean, look, what do, we don't, as men, like, why do we even have these nipples, right? You might as well use it as part of your, your tat gag, right? Yeah, why don't you get that? How about that? 
All right. Hey, Luke, it's uh, it's Halloween time, so head to your local spirit. Can we blow this up? This looks a little X-rated to me. You in on this, Luke? That Dude, I got a Halloween. I have a Halloween store just like this one. Look at the Although, package on that guy. If you look closer, you'll see how gross this really is, Luke. Wow. Oh yeah, I do see it. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, he's got a hose in his pants. Is that, is that Halloween fourteen? Is there a new Halloween out there now? New movie? Yes, there is with Jamie Lee Curtis. They just can't kill this fucking guy, huh? Will you go see that in the theater? In the theater? No. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. Hey, Luke. Let's go over to uh, the UK. They had a sports festival in GSP. Showed up to surprise Habib via rear naked. By the way, this sports festival was the Arnold, and it was the Arnold UK Sports Fest. It had Arnold and Sylvester Stallone there together with, of course, Habib, St. Pierre, and some other ones. Big, big, by the way, Eddie Hall was one of the uh, co-promoters along with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the guy your Excellent. kid is obsessed with. Yes, my kids, one of my sons loves Arnold movies. Yeah, but Luke, did this? do you lament seeing this fun and games because we didn't get this fight? You know, a year and a half ago when we probably should have. No, I don't care about that. All right. It's fun, fun doing this with you. Hey, let's go to amateur kickboxing. Here's some spinny shit gone wrong. Check this out, Luke. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> Dude, this is what I'm telling you, man. A couple times, if you're bored on a weekend, just see if there are some regional fights and the amount of fucking donkery that you're going to yes. see. We've said just... it before. If you go to a Bellator card, like at the Mohegan or whatever, they tend to have post limbs. They have local fighters come on after the main event ends. And, Luke, people get splattered, bro. I mean, they get knocked the hell out. Yeah, this is, this is, this is what regional MMA, in this case, Thai boxing, is all about. I mean, this guy, Luke, you see the ghost come out of him when he, when he hit? Wow. Hey, Luke, I know you're a bigger fan of testifying in front of the congregation, so let's go to a bare-knuckle circle in Russia. Watch this, Luke. Oh, God. He just gets timed right over the top of that jab. Jesus. Oh, oh. no. Wow. Oof. I think he saw the light. He's reaching for the Lord, Luke, right? This was me trying to ask a question to John Jones right here. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it went right there. Uh, I did. I did less reaching out to the sky, but everything else looks about the same. Bop. Luke, I, actually, decided- actually, hold on, hold on. Watch this. Actually, I can walk you through this real quickly. He resets. He brings his feet together, and then as soon as he comes back out, you already know he's reset. Right? Resets, <coughs> sticks it out, comes, gets parried, and then comes right over the top. Ooh. He just set himself up for it, basically. Luke, we decided to combine your two favorite things together in one clip: strongman lifting and gender reveal. Your thoughts? God. Just Can we blow lie. this up? So he's got an Atlas stone. I'm sure he's strong as fuck, but just just why? There you go. And you broke your Atlas stone, you fucking dope. Yeah, but they're having a girl, Luke. Uh, which, you know, great. I mean, <clears throat> I have a girl. It's amazing. But did you have to break your Atlas stone to do it? Like Kobe and you, he's going to be a hashtag girl dad. So really, really excited about that. All right, Luke, uh, diver downtime. Let's see some people take falls. First of all, this was a self-inflicted one. Check out this guy at the aquarium tank. What kind of store is this? It looks like Mohegan. Oh, dude, that looks like one of those bass fisherman stores. You know, they got like the full. I don't understand the significance of what we're looking at. He just jumps in water. Yeah, in the middle of the store, they have like a giant aquarium. And he just said, "Fuck it, I'm going to get in." Yeah, that's interesting. There, I'm sure he got. 
ejected instantly there, Luke. But uh, well done, just the same. Cops um, love it when you do that. They do, they do. Let's check out two drunk chicks near the water. That's always fun, Luke. Oh, God. I mean, day seven drinking. Wh- can... Seven white claws deep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> they consummated their friendship right there, Luke. That was great. Yeah. Wow. Woo. All right. Two more for you, Luke. Let's head on down under to the rugby pitch. I, no words can describe this. Pow. I mean, oh. he gets fucking oh. leveled. He got all of it, Luke. He got all of it. CTE and you can included. say, oh, they didn't target the head because the shoulder, if you notice, the shoulder kind of goes to the chest, maybe a little bit above. But, dude, he left his feet to do it. Like, boom. That is, <laughs> that is fucking brutal, man. That is, I mean, if that didn't break something in his chest, I don't know how it didn't. Golly. Remember when, remember when uh, Steve Atwater of the Broncos stood up Christian Okoye with one of these type of hits, Luke, and it, it like kind of ended his career? Okoye was never the same after the. Dude, these, I mean, you can get your whole shit caved in off this. And by the way, have you ever seen like a rugby professional in person? Like, yes. they're not small people. They're large. They're large humans. Well, Volkanovsky was one, Luke. Okay. I know you have a big. Le- Dude, he was low level rugby. I'm talking high level rugby. Yeah. High level. All right, Luke, I got one more for you in the category of stupid human tricks. I call this the human bong. Bro, this is how they do haircuts in third world countries. <laughs> I, I don't know if this guy's a star or or this was ill-advised, Luke, but I'm sure he got high regardless. This is who... That's who buys... That's who's going to buy the drug rug. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, Luke, yes, yes. <laughs> that That is... that. You're asking, like, how many of those can we make? Probably, like, ten. You know, not many. There's a few meth lab operators who would like wearing it in a in a trailer park. Yeah, well Bro, done. Can you imagine time, really. A doing this, then B planning to film it, filming it, and then posting and then you're it? Like, on what the am I gonna internet? wear? Do I wear the white wife beater or the gray one, Luke? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. You should go as this guy for Halloween. <laughs> that way, you can just carry a bong through the neighborhood and hit it every five blocks. You know. All right, that's the shit, Luke. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. Very All right, much. time for uh, odds and ends, good sir. What do you have for your odds and or ends? Luke, this long thriller soap opera with Teofimo Lopez Jr. and George Cambosos Jr. finally, officially came to an end when after Cambosos refused to really return Triller's phone calls or take a flight to Australia for the extra 400000 that he was asking to do it after one Date change after another. Triller has officially pulled out (laughs) after winning this purse bid, Luke, and claiming it has lost upwards of $10 million in in promotional money put forth already (laughs) for this incredible fight. So what happens next? I believe Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Sport, which was the second highest bidder, will have the opportunity to take the fight if they want and put it on DAZN, presumably. Obviously, top rank could jump in if Eddie Hearn says no and just make it an ESPN fight. Either way, Luke, I've said it before. Even if Teofimo gets more money in the long run, it's a bad look for everybody. And if this isn't the nail in the coffin for Triller, after just some 
I mean, just bizarre, ill-advised decision-making and financial spending. And now, of course, uh, new thriller uh, head of boxing, Thurston Meyer, is telling everyone in interviews, you know, no more celebrity carnival circus fights. We want to do real fights and we want to package them with the kind of entertainment that you don't see in the boxing game. And we're still going to put a fight at Barclays on October 16th. Luke, for all intents and purposes, this has to be the end of this weird soap opera. It would not be the first time in boxing someone with money, whether it be 50 cent Jay Z thought they could just come in and, and take over. Um, I cheered for them if they could do it right, but they didn't. It's over. Teofimo Lopez is still Luke going to have to go on with some form of a Cambosos mandatory to keep his title. But he came out in an interview to Keith Ideck of boxing scene this week and said, I really want to fight Josh Taylor, the undefeated, undisputed champion at 140 pounds, which, Luke, I think we all agree would be a fantastic fight. But here's the interesting part. Lopez says, why don't we do it at a catch weight, maybe 137, maybe 139, since Lopez is the unified champion at lightweight at 135. And his want, Luke, is to put all eight world titles on the line in one fight, meaning all four at lightweight and all four at junior welterweight. There's a few problems here, Luke. He said he was inspired by what Leo Santa Cruz and Gervonta Davis did when they brought together their, like, interim WBA secondary titles. The problems are you can't do a fight at a catchweight and have it be for the lightweight titles. You'd have to do a fight at lightweight and have it be for both the 135 and 140 titles. The other problem is because of the WBC's genius franchise champion, Teo's really no longer considered the WBC champion in most people's eyes because that's the title belt that Devin Haney has. I know that Teofimo is the super franchise. Look, it's bullshit. It's all bullshit. Here's the deal, though. I don't think Josh Taylor can make anything below 140. He's a very large junior welterweight, and he's been talking for a while about moving up to 147 and going after Terrence Crawford, who has that very interesting fight coming up in November against Sean Porter. Really what Teofimo should do is get this Cambosos fight out of the way and then officially move up to 140. If Teo's not going to hang around and give Lomachenko the rematch, if he's not going to try to cross the street and make the Devin Haney or the Gervonta Davis or the Ryan Garcia fight happen, even though he told us on this show, Luke, that it's on them, okay. Uh, I think in this landscape, though, both sides have to be willing to make amends, which is why, by the way, we're getting Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder on Saturday, even though they fight for different promoters and different networks. Um, if you're going to, might as well just move up, Teo, to 140. If you fight Josh Taylor, we're going to give you a lot of credit, and you're going to have a chance in essentially back-to-back-ish fights to become the undisputed champion in two divisions. That ain't bad. So enough with this catchweight crap talk. Get through Cambosos. Forget Triller ever happened. And, Luke, your interest level on Lopez Taylor, it's got to be high. It's got to be. It's high. But it's, I'm with you, like, I you still got to work it. You got a lot of a lot of work at 135. Like I don't Yeah. I'm not I'm not mad at 140. I mean it's fine, but it's just seems premature for me. That that's my only real complaint. But dude, Triller has fucked this up. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, the fact is he should have had this fight already. He should be barreling down on a second fight by now. Like well after that one. We should be already back to where we, you know, the trailer thing is done, back with top rank, whatever. They burned $10 million, They wasted everyone's time, and that comes on the heels of trying to put 
a near 60-year-old Evander Holyfield in a fight. They couldn't even honestly tell the public whether it was an exhibition or professional. Dude, they're a disaster. Just get out. And, Luke, by the way, Dan Raphael, uh, former ESPN boxing writer, has his own paid sub stack. So I didn't get to read the story, but he teased that he's got a a letter – that Triller is accusing multiple networks and promoters of conspiring against them to make sure the Lopez fight didn't happen, which is weird, Luke, because Top Rank thought Triller conspired against them to try to get the the fighters to uh, not come to a deal so the purse bid would happen to begin with. It's just a bunch of boxing business bullshit. I know our our non-boxing hardcore fans don't care, but hey, good riddance, Triller, and my where I come from, Luke. Okay, I'm done. That's it. Good. Um, for mine, it's a, it's a, it's the John Jones thing. I, I don't have a lot to say about it other than I saw it didn't get a lot of attention and I thought it'd be worth just mentioning it here. I'm not a, um, psychologist. I am not an expert on what these things mean, but there was a 911 call released. It was the call from the, uh, Las Vegas police. Uh, it was the 911 call, excuse me. It was a 911 call from the hotel the night of, I should say the um, alleged incident between John Jones and his wife. You should hear this call. You should hear this call. In the call, the, the person who is relaying the information to the dispatch is saying things like the woman in question, this would be his fiance, refuses to go back upstairs and is visibly bloody, bloodied. Um, it just takes the pretension and, you know, obviously we don't, we don't, I don't know what happened in that room. No one does. And John is innocent until proven guilty. I want to be very clear about that. But if you have not heard the 911 tape, it's available. MMA Fighting has it on their YouTube channel. You should hear it. You should hear what they have to say. Because then there's that thing you posted where John, or you, you shared on Have You Seen This Shit, where John is with his wife, or again, his fiance, excuse me. And uh, they didn't allow, he didn't allow any comments on it. I don't even think there's any caption to it. And he's in their you know, obviously engaging what would ordinarily be quite normal uh, marital behavior. And I'm not, I want to be very careful to like, there's a point where we're talking about a a serious situation. And then there's a point where we're going to be getting into the nuts and bolts of their marriage or their relationship Uh, the latter of which I have zero interest in. But dude, if you combine the contents of that call, plus the known police report that was out there, then with this behavior where on on social media, I got to tell you, dude, I went from being like bothered before to being legitimately disturbed by the whole thing. It Luke, is was it the tongue bad. when John stuck out the tongue at the camera like that was just sort of like like fuck y'all. And and if it's from the standpoint of like stay out of our business, you know, you don't know the details of our relationship, you're right. We shouldn't be in your business and we shouldn't really know the details. But unfortunately, the details came out because of the law in a long-standing downward slide. So when you're going to end that with like a tongue out at people that almost is just like, I'm the villain, I'm the bad guy. Look, I, you know, like it just, that mixed with the workout video immediately after with no explanation at like beyond like, you know, alcohol's the problem. Okay. Well, I'll just eliminate the alcohol. See guys, I could be, you know, it's just, it was the alcohol. It's a problem. You know, just what do we, you got to ask yourself, what do you want at the end of the day? If you're us, if you're pundits paid to talk. Yeah. What do you want? Do I want a press conference where he cops to everything and comes? I don't really want anything. I don't want that though. I'll tell you that, Luke. I don't want that. No, I'm it- not, dude. Like this whole uh, redemption story shit. You could take that to somebody else, unless he actually checks himself into a place and gets real help under real circumstances. Everything else doesn't matter. I, again, what happened in that hotel room? I suppose we'll never know. I don't know what the answer is, but if it is at least conceivable that he put hands on her, which it is at least conceivable given the circumstances. 
And then less than a week later, he has a situation where he's kissing her on camera for social media fodder where he doesn't allow comments. I got to tell you, that should send a chill down people's spine. Put me on record as saying, I don't know what it means, but I don't get a good feeling about it at all whatsoever. So I fully agree go. with you, Luke. Okay. That's it. That's all I'm w- willing to say about it. That's it. That's all I'm I can done. say. I've said my piece. That's all I can say about it until there's any further details. Okay. BC, uh, let's remind the good folks. Hey, you should give this video a thumbs up. Hey, yeah. you should subscribe. Hey, BC, you know, what we haven't discussed with Showtime. Are we going back to the studio next week? Uh, there was some talk of that. I'm going to need Matthew Snyder, our loving, trusted producer who's right now him and i our friends we're getting along great business-wise there's no arguing there's no there's no arguing behind the scenes at all um luke i i would love to to cement this because you know it's a it's a it's a big week next week right we got it's the, a big the, week the bellator grand prix final four at it is it's so. a big week so um I'll say this. Thumbs up on the video. Like and subscribe. We have tons of content coming your way. We are going to give you coverage all week of Wilder Fury 3, which, by the way, if you're an MMA fan, this is the boxing fight to watch, right? Like, Canelo's the one to watch. This is the one to watch. These are the ones that you're going to enjoy no matter what. Amazing boxer versus, you know, historic power puncher in a rivalry. What's not to like about it? You should love it. We'll have plenty of coverage for that, but we're not going to lose sight of all the MMA stuff this week as well, so pay yeah, attention. Yeah, don't forget, uh, Saturday... Thank you. Thankful. I'm thankful for this. The UFC Fight Night main card, which, of course, a main event of Mackenzie Dern versus Marina Rodriguez, which is a very good fight at, at uh, women's strawweight. It'll start at 4 p.m. Eastern. Thank Perfect. you, Combat Thank Sporting God. Gods. Thank you very yes. much. So good. So good. So with that in mind, of course, if you want to try Showtime, you certainly may. Showtime.com. Get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. Shoot us an email for dead wrongs and fan subs morningcombat at gmail.com please consider giving a follow to me and bc on the old interwebs as well as mk again mk is the same morning combat everywhere and then we got slightly different names me and bc do have uh between twitter and instagram one more reminder one more reminder bc mk extra credit will be out later today it'll be in late in the afternoon whatnot but for all the little detailed fights that we missed we didn't get to on the show I'll give you a quick rundown of that. For the hardcores. The hardcores. Come on out for MK Extra Credit. And if you want to get excited for Wednesday show, 11 a.m. Eastern here back on these YouTubes. They've said it. They want it. They're going to get it. Not only is the Wheel of Death back for Wednesday, but your Mm. boy BC has cooked up for the second time ever a celebrity Wheel of Death. That includes, Luke, some of the best in the world at what they do. You're not going to want to miss this. Thank you. All right, good. I can't wait. Um, BC, that's it for me. That's it for you. As you've been scratching your face like someone who's got some kind of psori- psoriasis of the skin, I should say. I almost said cirrhosis of the I have psoriasis of the mind, Luke, of the, <laughs> the, the, of the spirit. Yes, yes. yes just- uh, I want to I thank all the good folks that we have. You can go to morningcombat.store if you want some merch and everything else. For Mulca, for Showtime, for CBS Sports, that's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. And uh, until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.